Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, coming up, you'll meet Bubba Thompson, one of the featured stars of the reality show The Cowboy Way on the INSP Cable Network, which integrates faith with life on the ranch. Then from the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, it's Samuel Rodriguez, who uses the story of the Apostle Paul's troubled journey to Rome from the Book of Acts to provide encouragement in adversity. Also, he's the lead singer of Mercy Me, and his story, including his relationship with his father, is told in the movie I Can Only Imagine, coming soon to home video. Some comments ahead from Bart Millard. And on this edition of The Intersection, there's a new State of the Bible survey out commissioned by the American Bible Society and conducted by the Barna Group. Jeff Morin from the Society has some analysis of some of the recent findings. Also, author Karen Barnett has set her most recent series in national parks. Her latest book is set in Yosemite and includes a theme of identity in Christ. Finally, it's Stephen Black of First Stone Ministries, offering some insight into the freedom that Christ offers to those who are struggling with homosexuality and same-sex attraction. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Bubba Thompson is one of the featured cowboys in the reality series filmed in South Alabama called The Cowboy Way, which can be seen on the INSP cable network. There's a faith element woven into the lives and activities portrayed in the show. Here's Bubba Thompson to talk about elements, including the Christian element of the cowboy way. Well, Bob, I, I'm originally a Florida boy. I grew up down in Florida and on, on the citrus grove and, and landscape nurseries, and we had some cattle. My family, we raised a little cattle here and there and always had horses. And when I was 25, we moved up to Alabama, and, and I just always knew that I wanted to have a job that consisted of cattle and horses because I love both of them. And uh, I started a company called Faith Cattle Company, and uh, everything's just took off from there. The Lord has blessed myself and all my partners, and it's just been a, a wonderful experience. And not to mention that um, we got in contact with a media company, and they wanted to do a show about us cowboys and our and our business and how we lived our daily lives, so on and so forth. And you know, it, we've been working hard on it for about five years now, and it just took off. And we're lucky enough to have I, INSP Channel pick us up and, and show the world what we're about and what we do for a living. And, uh, you know, just show the world that there's so many good people still left in this country who love their families, work hard, honor God, and, and, and love their country. And Bob, that's what we're all about. I mean, we just, every morning we wake up, we just thank the good Lord that He let us live another day, and we're out there to to shine and, and just and witness to other people. And, Mr. Bob, that's, that's what we really want to accomplish on this show. And we want to show everybody that as long as you keep faith, the Lord will keep providing for you. Well, that is awesome. And I wanted to ask you about how God really opened that door. Here you are. You're, as you say, you're living each day. And all of a sudden, there's this media company that's interested in having you guys tell your story on a national cable channel. How did that come to be? You know, Bob, I'll I, be honest with you, I, I, I've always worked hard, and I went through some rough times in life, and I was single, and I I just, I worked all the time, I felt like I didn't have, I didn't feel like I didn't have anything going on that was really important, and I just, I asked the good Lord several times, and just, if Lord, if you'll just lay it on my shoulders, just put a load on me, and let, let me, let me show my faith, and just give me a chance to show the world how much I love you and how much, you know, all of us are children of you will just, you know, we can just prevail and just be able to, to 
the country, everybody, you know, I just, I, I'd be honest with you, Bob, it, it was just laid up home and threw in my lap, and I, I can't be more more happy that I'm able to do this, you know. Well, for those, of course, I, I think when you say the word cowboy, an image might come into someone's minds. Of course, cowboys have been portrayed in in media, television, and movies throughout the years. So, in the in the Bubba Thompson Faith Cattle Company world, tell me what you as a cowboy actually do. Well, Bob, what I do is I raise a bunch of stalker calves. Uh, right now, I've got a little over 600 head of stalker calves. If we buy them about 350 pounds, and we raise them to be 750 to 800 pounds, and then we ship them off to a grow yard. And uh, it's just horse. We're on horseback half the day. Uh, sometimes all day long, we're checking cattle, riding through the pastures, doctoring sick cattle. We, we try not to have that happen. You know, we always try to keep everybody healthy. But sometimes you gotta you gotta reach out there and give one a little nylon therapy and, and give it give it some medicine and keep it surviving and that that's what we do you know we just live off the land we we, we mix all of our own feed we train all of our own horses you know we just we do a little bit of farming grow a little bit of peanuts a little corn and we we all the we we mix our own feed and we also grow everything to feed our cattle so you know that's just it's what we do and uh, we're proud to do it. I've got a couple guys with me that are my partners, Booker Brown and, and Cody Harris. We're just very thankful for the opportunity to be able to work together. And, and of course, we're all best friends. And then, of course, being able to be on the show and, and show everybody what we do. It, it's, it's a true blessing. And uh, I just love the Cowboy way of life. And uh, we all three have beautiful families, beautiful kids. And uh, we're, we're very thankful that we get to raise our children in this lifestyle that we live. Bubba Thompson here on The Intersection. Learn more about the Cowboy Way by going to insp.com. Well, next on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Samuel Rodriguez, president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference and senior pastor of New Season Church in Sacramento, California. In our conversation, he commented on principles that he lays out in the book, Shake Free, How to Deal with the Storm, Shipwrecks, and Snakes in Your Life, centered around the incident of Paul's journey to Rome in the book of Acts. This is Samuel Rodriguez now. I was studying the book of Acts, and I found this amazing descriptive narrative from, from the book of Acts, Dr. Luke writing about the Apostle Paul's journey to Rome. What an amazing narrative. Paul is on his way to Rome, Acts 27 and 28, and he's on his way to Rome, and perception was not reality. It seemed that he was on a prison ship. He was going to face the music and and somehow experience some sort of toxicatorial outcome. In reality, he was on his way to Rome because in Acts 23, 11, some four chapters prior, God told him, Paul, I'm taking you to Rome to get the gospel message out, preached to the most important city of that time. So perception was not reality. It's on his way to Rome. He experiences a nor'easter, a shipwreck. He ends up on an island where he shakes off a viper, and then he finally makes it to Rome. So that really inspired me. It serves as a meta-narrative to many of us who have been through a journey. This Christian walk of ours is not guaranteed that we will never experience a spiritual, relational, financial nor'easter. It doesn't have any guarantees that we will never experience a shipwreck or that vipers will come, snakes, things will emerge to try to obstruct or strangle the fulfillment of God's purpose in our corresponding lives. What it does guarantee is throughout the journey, if we follow Christ, if we are born again, 
God will be with us, and nothing can snatch us away from his hand. Take us through some practical steps. We have listeners today that are facing trials in their lives and to a dead end. They just feel they feel either stuck or they feel up against the wall. They're not seeing any progress in their spiritual life. They're not enjoying the presence of Christ. And it's just things have seemingly, things are standing still. And they want to move forward. They want to break free, but they're having trouble doing it. What are some practical steps that perhaps they can take in order to really experience the joy in the presence of Christ? If we look at Paul arriving in Malta, the island of Malta in Acts chapter 28, and by the way, we all have a Malta life. We all have that in-between point. We, have, we all have these layovers, some of them, again, self-inflicted, some of them externally prompted, but we all have layovers. If you find yourself right now in that place, as you described, let me encourage you to the following. And it sounds a bit naivete, but it isn't. It's so powerful. It's biblically prophetic. It's really full of the righteousness of Jesus. You have to learn to shake things off. You have to learn the depression, the discouragement, the anxiety, the fear, the confusion, the despair. You have to shake things off, not with your might, not with your power, but by faith in Christ, by the power of the Spirit of Christ in you, you have the power, believe it or not, to shake things off. If you are a follower of Jesus, you really have someone in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit, First Corinthians 3.16. You really have the ability within you, not you, but it's the Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you have the power to shake things off. Do that. How do you shake things off practically? Through prayer. Pray. Speak to God. Have a conversation with God. Tell him, I need help right now. I just can't do it. My marriage is falling apart. My kids are rebelling. There's issues of health in my life. Whatever it may be, you call unto God. Call unto God. Be as transparent as possible. Have a conversation with heaven. And I assure you that God will, will listen to your prayers. There's no question theologically whatsoever that he will listen to your prayer. So speak to God. The second thing you do is walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? Stand up. Shake that off. Shake that viper, that snake. And it may be internal snakes. It may be mental, psychological, emotionally driven snakes and vipers, circumstantial vipers and snakes. Whatever it may be, truly shake it off. And you do it by walking by faith. Get up. Start pursuing the righteousness of God. Start pursuing God's will in your life. Go beyond the now. Go beyond the moment, the problem, the angst, and see way beyond that. See what God sees for you and your family, and believe God for greater things. So if you pray and you walk by faith and you adhere to God's Word, and you're committed every single day to putting on the armor of God every single day and growing in His Word, I assure you, you will make it to your Rome. Everyone has a Rome. Hmm. Everyone has a God-given destination. You will make it in Jesus' name. Samuel Rodriguez here on The Intersection. Find out more by going to the website shakefreebook.com. Well, next on this edition of The Intersection, it's the lead singer of Mercy Me, Bart Millard. His story, which includes the story of his relationship with his father, is told in the movie I Can Only Imagine, which is due out soon on home video. Bart has also written a memoir called I Can Only Imagine, a memoir, and Mercy Me has a new album out called 
I Can Only Imagine, the very best of Mercy Me, which includes a re-recording of I Can Only Imagine. Here now from our recent conversation, this is Bart Millard. Yeah, there was about a four or five year period that he had cancer, and that's that's when, um, you know, that's that was a season when everything changed. And probably the last three years of his life is when I was able to, you know, to see, you know, because for a while I just didn't trust my dad. I didn't want Grace to be for him. And, you know, he could say, he could try to act different, but I was always afraid that that same, that the, the, the dad that I always knew him to be was in there somewhere. And it wasn't until the last, probably last three years of his life, he was to a point to where, he had to have this medication kind of put in his IV every night. It's really stuff took about two hours to push through his IV, really thick medication. Um, and um, I ended up, you know, we had a, a, nur- a, a nighttime hospice nurse for a while, and he became really close to the family. When he was killed in a car accident, it, it really emotionally and physically took a toll on my dad. And so he didn't want to go through that again. And the day nurse was a dear friend who grew up with their kids, a friend of ours. And she basically said, hey, you know, I could lose my job over this, but I'm going to teach you how to be the person to give his meds at night. If you have a problem, call me. And so she just she just only reported that he needed only a nurse during the day. And I became the guy at night that gave my dad oh, wow. medicine. So for two hours every night mm. from about two to four, I would sit with my dad and we would have the most amazing conversations that, you know, it's hard enough to get a teenager to sit still for 10 minutes and talk to him. And I'm doing it every night, especially in my junior and senior year in high school. And, uh, and this, this, this was the seasons where I learned to trust that the change in my dad was real. And, and just the, the wisdom he passed on to me from everything that who I should and shouldn't be dating to what's going to happen after he's gone. And, and, and just, and, what he's looking forward to and what he's afraid of and everything in between. Um, that's when I, that's when I saw that God had completely transformed him um, like nothing I'd ever seen and rarely seen since. And, and how is it that your father actually came to know Christ? Well, I think, I mean, personally, like my dad grew up in church. Um, I've always thought that he was a believer my whole life, uh, you know, and it's, and, especially now looking back, I grew up Southern Baptist was like, well, he's not acting safe, so he must not have been saved or whatever. But I don't really buy into that as much as I used to. Like, I, I believe that my dad came to Jesus at a young age and just, uh, and just the enemy pounded him in so many ways that, uh, he's kind of lost focus of it. You know, kind of, I guess, similar to where the prodigal was the prodigal, but he was still the son to his father. I think my dad, I, I believe my dad was a believer the whole time. I think he fell passionately in love with Jesus during that season and, um, and um, you know, but before then, I would say that he was a man that was saved by grace and, and, and may have lost sight of it at times, but I can promise you that, that Jesus never lost sight of him. Well, Bart, how did all of this going on with your father and, of course, the, the upbringing that you had, how did that affect your spiritual life and your walk with the Lord? Well, I mean, it, it, it affected in, gosh, still like every way possible. From the standpoint of the abuse, I had godly grandmothers that were, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the main female figures in my life. And and for whatever reason, I never got angry at God during all that time. I, I looked at him as more like a refuge or a shelter, like, you know, and I guess because the way they poured into me, I always lived like the God's hurting with me and then I'm not alone through this. And, uh, and so it was my, my ounce of hope when things felt hopeless and, 
and difficult as a kid when I couldn't process everything. And, and for, for whatever reason, I never got angry at God during that. And then seeing my dad's life transform, you know, I, I started seeing a, just an, almost like another characteristic of God is the, you know, of this God is transforming my dad and becoming my provider and, and, and a refuge to my dad, who was the monster. He was the villain for so long. And, and then, you know, and, and, and he continues to, you know, there's times I feel like every time I look to him, I see something different and there's something I needed as a husband and as a father now. It's, uh, you know, it's just, it's, you know, I just, I, I it's, a, it's a part of me. Somebody asked, why did you, why did you choose to sign up for Christian music? I was like, man, I didn't sign up for this. It's, it's a part of me. Good songwriters write about whatever consumes their heart. And my heart happens to be consumed with Christ. And, you know, if I tried to write a song without him in it, I don't think I would do it very well. So it's just a part of me. Bart Millard here on the intersection. Find out more by going to the website, I can only imagine.com. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section of faithradio.org. At the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. Also through that homepage, you can subscribe to the Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. The other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, and you can get connected to video content. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to faithradio.org. The Intersection podcast is also available through the Faith Radio app. You can learn more when you visit the Faith Radio website. Well, continuing now with the Intersection podcast, it's Jeff Morin, Senior Vice President for Ministry Mobilization for the American Bible Society. Recently in a conversation, he provided some information about the results of the latest State of the Bible survey, as well as some analysis. The study was commissioned by the Society and conducted in association with the Barna Group. This is Jeff Morin now. So here's the question we asked. What do you have to have every day? What's that essential thing that you look to tomorrow and say, I've got to have that. And so we found, we got some answers back and and you're not going to be surprised by some of them. People need coffee. Probably first thing in the morning, men are so in that same place every day. People want something sweet. They want dessert candy, something that's going to wet their palate. They want their social media. That's really been rising as a kind of daily necessity for folks. And of course, there are folks as well want to engage with God's Word, engage with the Bible. So we, we looked at all those things, and, and, of course, we would love to see more people engaging with the Bible. You know, the top answer was coffee. Um, but what's important to us is what happens to those folks who chose, say, coffee, sweets, social media, and not the Bible. Here's the deal. About one in two Americans are more fearful than they were five years ago. Mm. We've tracked that for a while. That continues to be true, meaning there's just something happening to us that we're, we're carrying around with us, more fear than we should. Um, that is but what we find with those who read the scriptures daily, that is not true. We're finding actually a, a majority of them are less fearful or not as fearful as they were five years ago. So what's happening? Something is flipping. Those folks who are engaging in the Bible, that's to say they're waking up in the morning, they're finding that time every day to engage in God's Word and to, and to meet God there and see what's going on and how does my life relate to that. They're, they're tackling their issues of fear. But, but we found actually a bit more about that. Let me tell you three more things we found about those folks that are, again, reading the, the Bible on a regular basis. They, are, they tend to be more generous. 
we're finding the expressions of, of more love toward neighbor as well. They're, they're more willing to engage in their faith. And maybe, of course, that one makes some sense, doesn't it? You have something to say. Yep. You've, you've read yep. something. You're engaging something. You're discovering something new about the love of Christ in your life, and so you have something to say. We find, begin to see uh, all these characteristics that help people maybe more than that first cup of coffee. Talking about this proportion with people who are, as you say, engaging with the Bible, we find those people, and this makes sense, these people are less fearful than those that don't have a particularly high level of Bible engagement. In fact, people that are not engaging with the Bible, their level of fear if I'm if I'm actually saying this back to you or repeating it back to you, those people are more fearful than they were five years ago. Is that the that's good correct. way to say it? Yeah, that's correct. And and what we're finding, and we you know we it's a reminder for us, isn't it? Yeah. Is how important reading the scripture can be for our lives. Of course, it's it's a reminder. It's a way to discover who we are, what the purposes of our life are. But we're, but it, there's more than that. There's a kind of day-to-day benefit we're seeing of, of how we interact with other people, how we view our neighbor, how we love, how we give of ourselves um, at the other things. We begin to, to see the, the, the value of the Scripture in, in larger decisions we make. We, we look at the research, and people who are reading the Scriptures are more and more discovering the value this has for the kind of core moral fabric of our nation that uh, the things that we need to understand to live a, more, a meaningful life, they discover that as well in the Scripture. So there's just a whole wealth of things that are happening as people find their way every day into God's Word. You know, when you look at a person that is engaged with the Bible and his or her life is centered on the Scriptures, you found, with respect to this latest State of the Bible survey, that the higher someone is on the engagement scale, the more likely that person will be exhibiting various characteristics or activities relative to the Christian life. Comment on that if right. you would. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great reminder for us. Look, we need the Scriptures in our life. You know, if you're a follower of Christ, I'm hoping that you're a part of a great church, and I'm hoping that you're connected to a small group of people. But bedrock to us knowing and growing in our relationship with Christ are the Scriptures. Our daily reading, engaging, listening. There's so many beautiful ways now to engage with God's Word, but engaging with the Scriptures. And when you do that, what we're learning here is that so many other important things line up for us. We get the character of our life in, in order. We get the perspective of our world in order. We, we, we treat, we love people the way we should. Um, I, I'm just grateful for the reminder of that for us, the reminder that, that for each of us who have access, and I, I'm, I'm hopeful that every person listening to us has, has great access and availability of God's Word. And if you do, to reach in again tomorrow morning, and the day after and the day after, and see what it is that God shows you. Jeff Morin here on The Intersection. Learn more about the American Bible Society at AmericanBible.org. The State of the Bible website is StateOfTheBible.org. Well, next, it's novelist Karen Barnett. She discussed with me recently the second installment in her Vintage National Park series entitled Where the Fire Falls, a Vintage National Park's novel, which is set in Yosemite National Park. She discussed the setting and how the novel deals with matters of identity in Christ. This is Karen Barnett. Yosemite, where the newest book is set, was actually, the property was set aside by Lincoln. Wow. So it actually, yeah, it's amazing to think that that early in our history, people were starting to think about setting aside land for, for the public's good. 
and uh, it didn't actually become a national park until later. It was deeded to California, to the state of California, and then later became a national park. But uh, it, it goes quite a ways back into our history. All right. Tri- I actually set the book in the 20s, uh, so not in Lincoln's time period or the beginning of the park, but I kind of wanted to capture more of a vintage feel with the with the park's books and get kind of like our great-grandparents' memories of what it would be like to visit the parks in that time period. Yeah, The Road to Paradise was actually the first novel in the series. The second is Where the Fire Falls. Now, do you have a, a continuity of characters, or are these standalone? Now, these are completely standalone, and I think our hope in, in setting it up that way is that people could choose the book that represented their the park that they love or the park that they most wanted to visit in their life and not feel like they have to read the series in order. So I think of it almost more as a collection of novels as opposed to an ongoing series. Well, let's set this up for our listeners with respect to the characters here in this latest book and uh, you know maybe set up a couple of the plot elements as well. Sure. Well, Where the Fire Falls is uh, set in 1929 which is the height of uh, the Roaring Twenties. And uh, the main character's name is Olivia, and she is an up-and-coming watercolor artist with a dark history that she's trying very hard to forget. Uh, she come up, came from an impoverished family, and she is trying to present herself as sort of this rich socialite to fit in with the art community in California. And she gets a contract to um, illustrate... Yosemite National Park for a national travel uh, magazine. And she goes there and she's still trying to, you know, live this masquerade that she's created for herself. But she actually has connections with the park that go back. And uh, so she's trying to hide that as she's working there and runs into a, uh, a park guide who is helping her to visit the different sites at Yosemite. And uh, kind of through their interactions, she's learning a little more about herself and kind of who she, who God has created her to be. And uh, it, I think, you know, when we visit parks, when we visit beautiful natural areas, we often kind of look into ourselves and, and see a reflection of ourselves in these places. So that's kind of what I was going for in that aspect of the story. What would you say this novel really has to say to Christians with respect to their identity and especially their true identity in Christ? Uh, well, I think, <clears throat> like I said, when you when you visit places that just have such incredible natural beauty, I don't think, for me anyway, it's difficult to go there and not see God's hand in all of it, uh, his fingerprints all over creation. And so it often, for me, brings up, you know, ideas of why did he create this beautiful place and why did he create me? And uh, it just starts down that path of thinking, you know, what did God have in mind for me and where have I taken my own life and the kind of the contrast between those. Uh, Clark Johnson is the uh, hero, of the, the romantic hero of the novel. He's actually a former pastor, former minister, who ended up leaving his congregation because of some false accusations and sort of takes refuge in Yosemite as a place to kind of heal his heart and wait for God's call on his life as to where he should be going next. So he's also kind of walking a similar path to what Olivia is. 
Well, and and through their circumstances, I don't, don't want you to give too much away, but as they they interact with one another and also reflect in this beautiful setting, what would be maybe a, a key discovery or two they make about themselves? Um, I think uh, it, it, it's difficult without yeah. going into too much sure. of the story. Yeah. But <laughs> I think it shows us that... Um, our our identity in Christ isn't isn't mixed up with the the shame and the guilt and things that we have done in our past, but that we are new creations. You know, when he, when we accept Christ, uh, he forgives us of our sins of our past, and we start fresh from there. And I think that that is one thing that they both uh, have to come to accept. Karen Barnett here at the intersection. Learn more at KarenBarnettBooks.com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Stephen Black, Executive Director of First Stone Ministries and author of Freedom Realized, Finding Freedom from Homosexuality and Living a Life Free from Labels. In our recent conversation, he discussed matters related to finding true freedom in Christ, as well as developments regarding the furtherance of the gay agenda. Here now from that conversation is Stephen Black. In higher learning across the United States, and now even in many seminaries and Christian colleges, as well as secular, but especially in secular universities, there is an underscoring of the mindset that orientation, that one's desires in their sexuality is fixed. And so orientation is underscored now at the level of identity and at the level of, of a civil rights issue of gender and race. So you have a, a mindset of orientation that has come in that's fixed, and in Christianity you mix that with kind of a, a hyper-grace or an antinomianistic type of of uh, uh, teaching on grace, and you mix that together, and you get you know varying levels of extreme on this. The extreme on this for the quote unquote gay Christian is they actually what we have in this chart they revel in it, they want gay partnership, and so they believe they can be open openly gay, and of course they have their biblical views are actually revisionists. They change what all the scripture means. They then you have these other people that would say, well, actually the Bible does say that we are not supposed to um, operate in a, uh, you know, a, a behavior of homosexuality. So they would call themselves gay-identified. They resist, but yet they don't believe in any change at all, and they want to wear the label of gay Christianity. And many of these people will partner with people that are actually living in homosexuality and will even bless the fact that some of these people at least want to, quote-unquote, be in a gay marriage. Then, uh, you know, and I, I strongly oppose all of that as being heretical teaching. And then on the Christian side, you'll have people that actually renounce and they actually believe in conversion. I would say they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They believe in dying to the flesh. They have a traditional biblical worldview. And um, and they do believe that it's a part of the fall, but they don't go as far as promoting the idea of dealing with the root problems of same-sex attraction. They, they also will say, well, you know, 
same-sex attraction or same-sex lust is not something uh it's a rarity it's not something that most people overcome and and though that's true for uh you know i would say 50 to 60% of people that have lived in homosexuality for years that's not true in the case of the many people that i've ministered to over 33 years of ministry and then we squarely line up with what would be called the rebuild or the transformation and allowing the uh, the the power of God's word, the power of his spirit, the the actual power of grace to come in and bring transformation. And that's where the whole Restored Hope Network of Ministries line line up. And so you have these varying be- uh, belief systems, but basically it's rooted in an idea that orientation is fixed. Now, we would never say that about any other kind of sin behavior. We would never say that you know that lying or or stealing or even adultery we wouldn't say that people that have those desires are fixed under this banner called orientation but politically motivated over now the last 35 years in our country we have seen this continued erosion with a it, it is a gay political agenda that has now come into the church with socialism and have has brought in this social justice mindset that we need to be kind and loving and compassionate and i would say yes and amen to that if you're going to really love people help them out of the bondage rather than leaving them in it so you have this mindset now that you pray a prayer which jesus never taught you pray a prayer you believe in the historical facts of Christ, and you're a Christian, and really your internal world doesn't need to change. And that's really what these people are teaching. Stephen Black here on The Intersection. Learn more at First Stone, spell it out, firststone.org. The book's website is freedomrealized.org. Well, we are nearing the conclusion of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more at meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. At the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. You can also subscribe to the Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. The Intersection Podcast is available through the Faith Radio app. Learn more when you go to faithradio.org. Plus, when you visit the Meeting House homepage, you'll find links to two blogs. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. The other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Video content is accessible also, including content from the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at the 2018 National Religious Broadcasters Convention. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.